Well, before we begin our Torah study this morning, let's pray together. Baruch atah Adonai Eloheinu Melech HaOlam, Asher Kitshenu B'Mitzvotah V'Tzivanu La'asok B'Divrei Torah. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the Universe, who sanctifies us with his commands and commands us to engross ourselves in the words of Torah. Amen. Well, I want to talk to you this morning about the power of two opposing spiritual forces, one that we could call faith and the other we could call contempt, and both have spiritual power, and they oppose each other. So this morning's message is titled, Contempt Versus Faith. And the narrative in this week's Torah portion is really powerful. It's thought-provoking and Like always, it's useful for you to read the entire portion during our study together and our time together. We can only look at some of the portion, but it's worth your time to get familiar with the entire readings, along with the Haftorah reading and the Brita Hadashah readings. This morning, we're going to start our study in Numbers chapter 13, verse 1. It says this, Adonai, the Lord said to Moses, send men on your behalf to reconnoiter, to spy out the land of Canaan, which I'm giving to the people of Israel. So send men on your behalf. They're representing Moses' interest. That's what the Lord says. Moses, you send men who are going a forward to do something that represents your interests and for your good because you need this. And let's think about that. The Lord doesn't need the information. He already knows the information. Moses needs the information about the land, but there's something else Moses needs. He needs to discover the condition of the people that he's leading. So the spies are sent to reconnoiter, to investigate or spy out the land, and to get specific information and report back. They're they're given some guidance as to what details to bring, and they're told to go to the land the Lord is giving to the people Israel. So the Lord decided to give it already, but it's also a process. He is giving it. Now let's go for the details to Numbers 13, verse 17. Moses sent this group. They were all leaders. They were princes of tribes. He sent them to reconnoiter the land of Canaan, instructing them, go on up to the Negev and into the hills and see what the land is like. Notice the people living there, whether they're strong or weak, few or many, and what kind of country they live in, whether it's good or bad, and what kind of cities they live in, open or fortified, and see whether the land is fertile or unproductive, and whether there's wood in it or not. And finally, be bold enough to bring back some of the fruit of the land. Then verse 25, 40 days later, they returned. So they were sent out. It wasn't a quick trip. It says 40 days later, they returned from reconnoitering the land. And they went to Moses and Aaron and the entire community of the people of Israel at Kadesh in the Paran Desert, where they brought back word to them and to the entire community and showed them the fruit of the land. And what they told them was this. It's verse 27. We entered the land where you sent us, and indeed it does flow with milk and honey, and here is its fruit. However, the people living in the land are fierce, and the cities are fortified and very large, and moreover, we saw the Anakim there. 
Amalek lives in the area of the Negev. The Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites live in the hills, and the Canaanites live by the sea and alongside the Jordan. And then in verse 30, Caleb silenced the people around Moses and said this, we ought to go up immediately and take possession of it. There's no question that we can conquer it. But the men who had gone with him said, we cannot attack those people because they are stronger than we are. And they spread a negative report about the land that they had reconnoitered for the people of Israel by saying, the land we passed through in order to spy it out is a land that devours its inhabitants. All the people we saw there were giants. We saw the Nephilim, the descendants of Anak, who was, who was from the Nephilim. And to ourselves, we looked like grasshoppers by comparison. And we looked that way to them too. And then verse four, chapter 14. At this, the people of Israel cried out in dismay, and they wept all night long. Moreover, all the people of Israel began grumbling against Moses and Aaron. The whole community told them, we wish we had died in the land of Egypt or that we had died here in the desert. And then pay very close attention to this next uh, statement because it's a, one of the keys to help you understand what's really going on. This is what they said. Why is the Lord bringing us to this land where we will die by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will be taken as booty. Wouldn't it be better for us to return to Egypt? And they said to each other, let's appoint a leader and return to Egypt. At this, Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before the entire assembled community of the people of Israel, Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, from the detachment that had reconnoitered the land. They tore their clothes, and they said to the whole community of Israel, the land we passed through in order to spy it out is an outstandingly good land. If Adonai is pleased with us, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land flowing with milk and honey. Just don't rebel against the Lord and don't be afraid of the people living in the land. We'll eat them up. Their defense has been taken away from them and Adonai is with us. Don't be afraid of them. So that's an important section that we just read. And it describes some really powerful details that we should take time to notice. The situation, the situation is scary. There are uh, details here that could make anybody be afraid. And the Lord's not against just the fear. That's not it, because he helps us with fear, and he understands fearful circumstances, and we can always bring our fear to him. He will help us. When we have fear and we have faith, then we can transform our fear of circumstances into the fear of, by the fear of the Lord, and we can become stronger and not paralyzed by the situation that we're facing. But there's more to it than that. You see, something spread. Something is happening. The, the people are in dismay. They're weeping. They're crying out. And they begin to grumble against Moses and Aaron. Everyone did. 
And they're not just grumbling against Moses and Aaron. Pay attention to this. They are saying, why is the Lord bringing us to the land where we will die by the sword? They are accusing God of being cruel. They are accusing the Lord of having appointed cruel leaders who just don't care about their well-being and who have a plan for them all to suffer and be destroyed, for the families to be destroyed, for their futures to be taken from them, for their children, their, their wives, their little babies to be taken into slavery or to to be killed. That's what they're talking about. They are taking a position that's not just fear. It's now contempt. And we'll see how the Lord views it. Now, Moses and Aaron start praying and Joshua starts uh, convincing and trying to persuade. and, And then in a part that we can't read, Um, because of time, Moses and Aaron and others are are praying and interceding. And in verse 20, we'll pick up again, the Lord answers them and he forgives. He says, I have forgiven as you've asked, but as sure as I live and that the whole earth is filled with the glory of Adonai, none of the people who saw my glory and the signs I did in Egypt and in the desert and yet tested me these 10 times and did not listen to my voice, none of them will see the land I swore to their ancestors. And then this next statement is a key to understanding what's really going on from God's perspective. None of those who treated me with contempt will see it. That is God's specific statement about those who were opposing him and those who had spoken against the Lord and against the Lord's leaders. And he says, yes, I will forgive them, but there's consequence. There's still consequence. And that is a challenge to many people's theology because many people think that if there's forgiveness, then there's no consequence. And yet, if you want to learn about forgiveness, learn how the Lord forgives, how the Lord forgives. And he says here, I do forgive, but none of those who treated me with contempt will see it. Now, this this may not fit into everybody's theology, but it's clear here. And so I encourage you to to allow things like this to adjust your theology and to help you rework parts of your theology. There can be forgiveness, but there can still be consequences. The Lord says, those who treated me, those who treated God with contempt. This is something very specific. Now, it's useful for us to understand what contempt means. It means disdain or to despise or to spurn. And I can tell you this, that contempt can disqualify us from participating in the plans that God has in mind for us, and it changes what we're able to do and what we're allowed to do. Now, let's compare contempt to faith and trust. Faith is expressed. It's not just internal, it's expressed. It's shown and it's demonstrated in action. If faith is only internal, if it's just like an abstract thought and nothing more, it's not the full dimension of faith that the scriptures teach us about. Faith includes faithfulness and faith in action. 
And contempt opposes faith and trust. Contempt for God and for God's plans and for those to whom he's given responsibility for his plans, that type of contempt has consequences. Contempt can close the door on parts of our future. Something that could have happened won't happen. In this case, the people who had contempt for God and for Moses and for Aaron, they won't see the land. The contempt is so serious. Why is it this serious? Because don't all of us fetch sometimes? Don't we all, you know, we struggle, we complain this way and that way? Yes, but this is a, this is a specific kind of, it's a, it's a contempt that misrepresents God's character. Now, I, I've never met anybody who just says, I intend to misrepresent God's character. Uh, not among any believers or anybody, really. That's, that's not something that people fess up to. And when confronted with it, very rarely do people actually change. It takes a lot of work in a person's life to face contempt. Let's look at verse 24 so we can see a comparison. My servant Caleb, because he had a different spirit with him and he's followed me, him I will bring into the land he entered and it will belong to his descendants. So the Lord is saying that Caleb had a different spirit and he was wholehearted and he was single-minded. And he says this, I'll bring him into the land that he's already entered as a spy, and it will belong to his descendants. So the the desire that God had for all of them will actually be fulfilled for only some of them. Some of the people who God wanted to experience a future in the promised land will not experience it. That's one of the very hard lessons. And if, if you are just an absolute fatalist and you think everything is settled and everything's um, already decided and what you do has no consequence, meaning, or impact, this scripture can help adjust that for you. Your actions, your behavior, whether you're a believer or not, whether, whether you're a spy or not, whether you're young and old, what you do yourself can have an impact on your life and on the life of other people. Let's go to verse 27. The Lord says this, I've heard the complaints of the people of Israel, which they continue to raise against me. Now, that has two parts. I've heard the complaints, which in the second part is they continue to raise against me. So the Lord is saying that he hears the complaints and that they're continuing. He is facing something. He is declaring something, which you and I can look at, and that is the complaints even though confronted, are continuing. Very important. And it's also a challenge because the Lord hears. He hears complaints. He not only hears prayers. Now, I love the fact that the Lord hears my prayers. But take notice of this. The Lord also hears complaints. He hears murmuring. He hears private conversations. You think your conversation is private. Be careful. The Lord hears everything and he hears contempt. That is very challenging. The Lord is saying, I hear their contempt, and I hear it continuing. 
and they're complaining against me. Now, very rarely will people say, yes, we're complaining against the Lord. Usually, you know, people want to waffle a bit. They want to smooth it over. They don't want to look at it. That's human nature. But if you want to truly be repentant, you got to face whatever the Lord says about us. Now, let's look at verse 34. This tells us about the consequence, and it's so serious. I'm going to take a sip of hot tea that my wife has provided. Thank you, Sandy. Verse 34, it will be a year for every day you spent reconnoitering the land that you will bear the consequences of your offenses. Forty days, forty years and then you'll know what it means to oppose me. So there is a multiplication of return, but it's a negative return. And I would just say, oi, and do the math with me. One day turns into 365 days a year. 40 days turns into 40 times 365, 40 years. So the 40 days that the spies spent reconnoitering the land, I think was probably filled with contempt during that time. I think they came back already filled with contempt. They developed it and then they brought it back and they had a plan, those 10 spies who had the negative report. They had a plan and that was to influence other people to share their same opinion. Now let's look at verse 36. The men whom Moses had sent to reconnoiter the land and who when they returned made the entire community complain against him by giving an unfavorable report about the land. Those men who gave the unfavorable report about the land died by the plague in the presence of Adonai. Only the men who went to reconnoiter the land, only Joshua of the men who went to reconnoiter, only Joshua the son of Nun and Caleb the son of Jephunneh remained alive. So verse 36 has this key phrase, they made the entire community complain against Moses. You see, the the way that we handle ourselves in difficult situations can have an effect on other people. And in this case, the, the spies who brought the unfavorable report also were sowing seeds of discord. They, they were giving a negative report that had the effect of dividing the community against Moses and Aaron and against the Lord. And the Lord took it personally. Verse 39, when Moses told these things to all the people of Israel, the people felt great remorse, or they mourned greatly, or they felt grief. Now, it's important to understand that word remorse because it's very specific in Hebrew. It's not about, it's not about repentance. They didn't experience repentance. They felt bad. And what did they feel bad about? Maybe it's just the consequences that they faced. And so they said, we, yes, we did sin, and now we're ready to go up to the place that the Lord promised. And what was really going on? This is it. They were vague in what they were saying their sin was about. And they were saying, okay, we weren't ready, now we're ready, as if it were just a matter of timing. You know, we're okay, it's just we had to get ready. 
No, that's not it. They had become oppositional. They had become defiant. They had become independent. And this is one of the sobering situations that should wake us all up. They did not get a second chance this time. Those who felt so bad and who were facing the consequences and now were alert to it, those who had sowed these seeds of discord, those who had had this impact, um, they didn't get a second chance. Let's look at verse 20. They arose early the next morning. They came up to the top of the mountain and they said, here we are, we did sin, but now we'll go up to the place the Lord promised. And Moses answered, why are you opposing what Adonai said you won't succeed? So this is Moses' commentary. It's in Torah. It's not just my opinion. They were still oppositional. Do you see that? He said, don't go up there now because the Lord is not with you. If you do, your enemies will defeat you. The Amalekites, the Canaanites are there ahead of you, and you will be struck down by the sword. And the reason will be that you've turned away from following the Lord, so the Lord won't be with you. It's not just this moment of regret or feeling bad. There's something that has been brewing in them. They have begun to be contemptuous. And they're contemptuous to the Lord without perhaps even recognizing it. But clearly, they're op- opposing and contemptuous towards Moses and Aaron. They're looking for other leaders. Now, it's not that they had a different opinion, because you know the old saying, where there are two Jews, there are three opinions. If you want one opinion, just send one person. If you want one report, just send one person. But the Lord said, send 12 And so that produced a variety of perspectives and points of view that were meant to synergize together and to work together for good for everybody. But here's the problem. Ten of the people had one perspective. The spiritual force of contempt was working in them. There was discord in them, and and it needed to be revealed. That's the whole point. You see, Moses needed to discover the spiritual condition of the people. And this is what he found. It was a sad moment. It was a hard moment. It was a difficult moment, but it was a necessary moment. The the people had to deal with the fact that they had contempt, there were seeds of discord, and that it had to be purged. The Lord said, the things you were afraid of about your kids, I'm going to take care of. I will bring that younger generation, and I will bring those who didn't have contempt. I will bring them into the land that I promised. But all those who were showing contempt, all those who who sowed seeds of discord and they had an effect on the rest of the community. All of those, time's up. And they can't participate in the plans that God had in mind for them and for the whole community. You see, the door closed. It's a a sober warning. Now, you might say, "Why, why do we look at this? And I'll tell you why. Because it's useful to us. Every time we study such things. We can discover principles and application.
the Torah readings as we do, and the Haftorah readings and the Brita Hanashah on the schedule that, that coincides with the greater Jewish community, the not uh, Messianic community, that also reads the same Torah portions and Haftorah portions, not the Brita Hanashah, but yes, the other parts. If you follow those Torah portions in that reading schedule, you'll discover something. It's this, that those readings are timely. They're useful for us. And this is useful. We're living in challenging times and difficult times. And, and you may hear, you may hear of complaints and you may hear of grumbling and you may need to recognize what's going on spiritually. It's very important so you can take the right stand. Don't get confused about fear and don't try to push fear down. Deal with fear. You can cast fear upon the Lord. You can strengthen yourself. You can fortify yourself with um with honesty and faith and with courage that God can give you. So don't worry that God won't help you with fear. He will. He will help you with fear. But when there are seeds of discord, when there is division, when there are factions, when there are people who are trying to gather support for their faction against the plans that God has, against the leadership that God has, against God, without them recognizing it or admitting it, because who wants to admit that they're trying to be against God? Only the repentant can admit that what they've done is against God. But those who are self-justifying, those who are sowing seeds of discord, and those who are dividing, and those who are showing disrespect, and, and those who, who are trying to build uh, factions of support with them, they're actually doing something under the power of contempt. And it's very hard for people to change when they have come under the influence of contempt. The only way they can deal with it is off to themselves and finding uh, uh, an environment and a context where they can be honest with God and learn some things. It's not always easy. It's, it can be really, really difficult for people. So it's, it's a timely thing, and this will help you. This will help you understand how to proceed. And every year we read this Torah portion. So every year we're t supposed to take seriously these uh, very, very important questions and apply them to our life and to our community life and the world around us. This world is filled with discord. This world is filled with divisions. This world is highly polarized and antagonistic and oppositional. But Israel is called and the body of Messiah is called to rise up above that, to be very, very different in our behavior, in our attitudes, in our perspectives, and in our spirit. Caleb had a different spirit. Think of how amazing it was. If there are uh, two Jews and three opinions, in this case we had 12 spies, but we really had two opinions, and only two. One was contempt, and one was faith. That's so useful for you and for me. Which side do we want to be on in life and in our congregational experience? We want to be on the side of faith and faithfulness, not on the side of contempt. We don't want to be on the side of division. We don't want to be on the side of disrespect. We don't want to be on the side of factions and discord. That's 
what we need to know for ourselves so that we can choose wisely and move forward together in all that God has called us. It's so important for us, Mishpacha. We've been entrusted together with Messianic Jewish vision. We're going to keep moving forward together. It's not always easy, but it's always Kadima, Mishpacha. Let's pray. Lord, help us choose faith. Help us learn to bring our fears to you. Help us avoid contempt. Help us avoid bringing trouble to other people. And we pray this ancient prayer, Lord, may the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. And let us all say, Amen. So in a moment, we'll be closing with Aaron's blessing. But first, would you consider standing with us financially? If this live stream is a blessing to you, or if our Messianic Jewish pod, teachings podcast or our sanctuary services are a blessing to you, would you consider blessing our ministry? All the information can be found on our webpage, bethisraelnow.com slash giving. I also want to remind you that last year, Cantor Aaron gave a message on the same portion that's very useful. We're going to put a recording or a link to that podcast from our guest channel up on our website, our Facebook page, so that you can listen to his perspective from last year. Each time we look at something like this, and this passage in particular, can be useful for us. It's always timely, year after year. Well, don't forget there is a bagel oneg today in the Shalom Center. And let's close with Aaron's blessing. I want to encourage everybody to stand up in the sanctuary. I'll give you a, a, a minute to do that. Even, even though I and many others are joining uh, from our homes, those of you who are in the sanctuary who want to join together and can join together, I'll give you just a moment so that you can do that. And as we're doing that, let's just thank the Lord for the way he wants to bless us. Yivarechecha Adonai. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord protect you. May the Lord cause the light of his face to shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his face to you and give you his peace in the name of Yeshua the Prince of Peace. And we say amen. So from Rebbitz and Sandy and me and the entire Beth Israel team, thanks for joining us today. Shabbat Shalom, everyone.